have these gifts and talents and so to speak they're driving them like they stole it but the problem is is you did steal it it's not yours and if you and i live our lives in such a way forgetting the very basis of who we truly are we're stewards of the gifts that god has entrusted to us you'll always end up with a life that misses god's great purpose that he has for you what has god given you Take a moment and consider the breath in your lungs, the energy in your muscles, the thoughts in your head. God has given you life and so many gifts on top of that. How are you using yours? In today's message, Pastor Daniel is going to remind you that the life you've been given really belongs to God, and you are a mere steward of it. How can you bring glory to God and dive into His purposes today? Well, let's join Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 25 as he begins a new message called Use What God Gave You. So as a parent, I'm super happy to be able to say that like, I'm really proud of my kids. You know, like I have these great, these three kids are just such great kids. And I mean, partially I'm just proud of them because they're growing up happy and decently socially well-adjusted with me as one of their parents. You know, I give a lot of credit to my bride, Lynn, but each one of my kids is unique. Now, you know, if you've been around Crossroads at all, I've told you lots of stories about my oldest, Obadiah. We don't tell a lot of stories now because he's in middle school, so if I mention his name, I'm not allowed to. So he's the child that we shall not talk about. And then, of course, Annabelle, our youngest, is, you know, we talk about Annabelle all the time because she's loco in La Cabeza, you know, and so there's tons of stories, and she's still too young for me to be able to tell all the stories and her to remember it all, but I don't often tell stories about my middle child, Maranatha, and so some, every once in a while, Maranatha will say, well, Dad, why don't you tell stories about me? And I say, well, because I don't want you to get a big head, and I say that realistically because next to Jesus Maranatha is the most solid person in our house so if you have like spiritual strength there's Jesus of Nazareth there's Maranatha and then there's my wife and so it's kind of a funny thing but Maranatha is a really quite an extraordinary young lady so Maranatha is actually the type of kid who I always say that if you ever want parenting advice you could just talk to my Maranatha because Maranatha's the kind of girl like where it's like if something's going on and I'm handling something, Maranatha would be like, hey, dad, can I talk to you about something? Sure, Maranatha. I don't really think you handled that the best. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, Maranatha, how would you handle it? And then she tells me and, and it's like, I should have handled it that way. <laughs> so I'll be like, hey, Maranatha, next time if I'm handling it kind of wrong, can you like grab me before I screw the thing up and just give me a little talking to and then I'll handle it the right way? And she'd be like, oh, I can do that, Dad. I just, I just don't want to get in trouble like that. And, you know, so, and, that, and that's who Maranatha is. And she's, a pretty, you know, she's pretty awesome. But you know, one of Maranatha's greatest qualities is actually she has this tremendous ability that when she wants to do something or learn something, she won't stop until she knows how to do it. It's a really powerful quality. So you know, a number of years back, and it still goes on to this day, Maranatha, like a lot of uh, young people, decides that she wants to do gymnastics. 
you know? And so literally for like an entire summer, if you look for Maranatha, you just see her feet because she'd be upside down. You know what I mean? Like, and literally at first it began with her like doing handstands with her feet against the wall. And then I'd be like, Maranatha, if you're going to put your feet on the wall, you got to wash them first. And so Maranatha would go wash her feet before she worked on this stuff. That's the kind of kid she is. You know what I mean? And she'll just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And so she had, I just watched this the other day. We have a trampoline in our backyard and Maranatha was just doing backflips on the trampoline over and over and over again. And what was really cool is that she'd try it. And if she doesn't stick it, she would fall down. She'd get back up. She'd just try it again, try it again, try it again until she got it. Now, what I loved about watching that is first, you know, I'm super proud of my daughter and, and I couldn't do a backflip unless I was trying to break my neck for fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, so the fact that she was doing that in itself was pretty extraordinary. But one of the things that it, it reminded me of the fact is that, you know, uh, there's a spiritual principle that is at play there as well, is that for a child, you can keep doing things and not stick the landing and not get it right, but you just keep doing it until you get it. But as you get older, you have a tendency to be at some point be like, you know, I probably shouldn't do this anymore. Like, I just can't do this. Right. Or you start to read into your current moment, all this stuff from your past. And I think as it relates to following Jesus, I think this is also really important because, you know, there's a time I think when we all get saved and we start to grow a little bit where we start to think to ourselves, I really want to be all that God would have me to be. But then life happens and sometimes you stick the landing and sometimes you get road rash from the landing and all these things go on. And then before you know it, you start living a life that you're like, I don't really know whose life this is, but I don't think this is the life Jesus had for me. Right. And so I want to share with you today a parable, one of these stories that Jesus told that really teaches us that we need to use what God has given us. And that there's risk involved. Now, the parable that I want to share with you, what we know of as the parable of the talents, this parable also has been really meaningful to me in my walk with Jesus. And I'll try and share a little bit about that as we go. So in order to get at this today, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. We're going to be taking verses 14 to 30. Matthew 25, 14 to 30. So Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, the first of the four Gospels. It says this in verse 14 of Matthew 25. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Now, we'll stop there. We're going to take the whole story, but we'll stop right there for now. So you get here that this story, there is a man who obviously is very wealthy because he's about to travel to a far country, and he called some of his own servants, and he delivered, it says, his goods to them. Now, it says that to one of these servants, he gave five talents. To another, he gave two talents. And then finally, to one, he gave just one talent. Now, when we hear the English word talent, we often will think of some sort of skill, 
some sort of, we could use the word chops, somebody's good at something, whether it's mental or some sort of physical skill. But in the Bible, the word talented in that culture was actually a unit of exchange. It was a type of money. Now, depending on in what community you're in, the talent had different weights. They didn't have a standardized money in the same way that we do today. But by all accounts, a talent was an extraordinary sum of money. By most conservative estimates, it would have been about 20 years wages for the average person. Okay, so what you realize is first, this man who's delivering these talents is extraordinarily wealthy because, you know, giving somebody five talents would be the equivalent of 100 years wages for the average person. So this is obviously a very wealthy person, and he's delivering to his servants not small sums of money. Now, there's another parable, the parable of the minas, which tells a similar story, but with a different unit of measure, which was a much smaller amount. So you really have this man is entrusting to these servants some extraordinary amounts of money, and he gives to each one according to their ability. So this man is not under any obligation to give any of the servants a certain amount, but he gives it to them, and then he goes away. Now, by way of starting to apply this to our lives, this parable begins to tell us something very important that I think we need to grab hold of, it, is that, that we are all stewards We are all stewards. Now, we don't use the word steward much. I think the last time I heard the word steward in the context of our culture outside of the Bible was in the Lord of the Rings movies. Do you remember Aragon was the king, but there was the steward who was caretaking the role until the real king came. You guys remember that? If you don't remember it, we don't judge you. Go watch the Lord of the Rings movies. In Jesus' name, that's your homework. Can I get an amen for that? Yeah. So I'm going to go watch them now just because I told you to, because I, I got to do it myself. But the idea of a steward, a steward is somebody who realizes that what they have is not their own. It's been entrusted to them. See, for these three servants, these three servants were entrusted the resources of this very wealthy person, and they were expected to broker that on his behalf. Now, when we hear the word servants, of course, we often have this tendency to think of a slave, and we filter it, unfortunately, because of culture through African slavery. For for many of us here in the West, coming out of Europe, there's a long history of kidnapping people of other cultures and races, and oppressing them, and subjugating, and making them work jobs that we didn't want to work. But in Jewish culture, A servant was much more like somebody who had a job where you've been entrusted this by your boss and your job is to broker these things and you actually make your livelihood based on how you do it. So for a wealthy person to entrust five talents or two talents or one talent to these people, that was very common. And their job was to make money for their boss, but they also made money on them making money. So it's amazing that Jesus uses investment banking as actually, this is what this is. It's investment banking as the setting for this. Now, I say that we're all stewards because I think what's important is that you have to realize that nothing that you have is yours and yours alone. It's all been entrusted to you. That's the point of this parable. The point of the parable is that what you have, the gifts and the talents, even though this is speaking of a unit of money, the skills, the life that you have, the time that you have, all of that has been given to you by another, by God. And God holds each one of us responsible for how we broker the gifts and talents that we have. 
Now, I think that this is extraordinarily important because I think maybe the single greatest issue in our world today is the fact that people don't realize they're stewards. People have these gifts and talents, and so to speak, they're driving them like they stole it. But the problem is, is you did steal it. It's not yours. And if you and I live our lives in such a way, forgetting the very basis of who we truly are, we're stewards of the gifts that God has entrusted to us, you'll always end up with a life that misses God's great purpose that he has for you. You'll always end up experiencing things that are outside of what God has. And this is becoming too common today. I want to read to you something that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. It says this. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of your inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Now, this is the key to life right here. When you realize that you are not the owner of it, you know, some of you think I'm a self-made person. I'm here to tell you that's totally wrong, and I can explain it to you in five seconds. Because I'd be like, how dare you say that? I've worked hard to acquire these skills. Wrong. Here's the thing. The very breath in your lungs, that's a gift. The fact that your heart is beating and you're here right now, that's a gift. The fact that you had enough food to make it this far, that's a gift. The fact that your body was able to utilize all these resources, that's a gift. Oh, and the innate abilities that you had, guess what? That was placed in there by a gift. And even the passion to hone those skills over days and days, weeks and weeks, months and months, to put in your 10,000 hours of purposeful practice to become a master at whatever you're a master at, even that was given by a gift. So you're not self-made. You have been entrusted with great potential. And the ability of you to be able to do that, guess what? That's a gift from God as well. So whatever those things are, we're supposed to do it heartily as unto the Lord. See, this is a key to life. When you realize that it's not yours, you were bought at a price, you're not your own. All these gifts, they were given to you by God. Why someone can sing and everybody loves it, another one sings and it makes dogs weep. Right? It's like God gave one person the gift, the other person gave the gift of torturing animals, you know? It shows that there's a gift. The fact that some, you know, there's a guy on our staff, his name is Luke Stillinger. I love Luke. This guy's amazing. You give that guy a spreadsheet, that dude can do magic on a spreadsheet. Dude, you give me a spreadsheet, I just want to throw up. All those little cells and stuff, I'm like, what is this? Right? It's a gift. So here's the thing, though. Whatever gifts God has given you, you do it heartily as unto the Lord. You live your life saying, God, this gift you give me, I do it as unto you. Right? And as I do it unto you, I trust, God, that you, as I live for you and other people get the benefit, that you are going to reward me for stewarding this gift. Because really, I serve you. Now, here's the question you have to ask yourself. How are you doing being a steward? Or are you one of those people who've taken your life and you're driving it your own way? See, this entire legend, this entire parable, this entire story is forcing us to look at how do we live our lives? You know, and we live in a culture that loves success. And I don't know anyone who doesn't. But I heard this said, and I've heard a lot of variations of this quote. There's nothing worse than being successful at something that ultimately doesn't matter. 
Like, that's the great tragedy. The great tragedy is not being unsuccessful. It's being at successful at things that actually don't matter. And I'm here to tell you that if you don't realize that you're a steward, no matter what you do, you're going to be one of those people who can be successful at something that ultimately has no purpose. It's not eternal. It's temporal. It's temporary. When God wants us to live for something way greater than that. So he gives each one of these servants. One guy gets five. One guy gets two. One guy gets one. They all get a different amount. But what we find is that this man then leaves and he goes to a far country. Now look at what happens in verse 16. It says, then he who had received the five talents went and he traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And then after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Now, here's the thing. What we're going to find is that God expects you to invest. There is an expectation from God that you invest the gifts and talents that he has entrusted to you. See, for the guy who got five, he immediately goes on out and he starts to make do business. He starts to do different things. And so he had five and he gained five more. The guy who had two, immediately he goes on out. He's not worried about what he doesn't have, what he has different from someone else. He's just going and investing with what he has. But the guy who has one, it says that he took it and he buried it. So out of these three servants, two of them goes out and invests, and the other one chooses not to. Now, here's the thing that you have to realize. As it relates to investing, the problem with investing is that there's risk involved. Isn't it true? But the thing is, is what we're actually going to learn here is that there's also risk for not doing anything. No matter what you do, whether you go on out and you invest what God has given you or whether you hold on to what God has given you because you're scared to invest, either way you are assuming risk. And ultimately what you're going to find is the greatest risk is not doing anything. Because there is the expectation from this person who has entrusted all these things to these servants that they are going to go and they're going to invest it so that it might be profitable. Now, here's what happens for each one of us. See, what's amazing about this story is you don't know the backstory about any of these servants. Like, you think about the guy who took the one and, and buried it. It doesn't say why he did it, at least not at this point. Maybe he at one point was a very, very successful business person, but he lost it all in the Great Recession. Right? Or maybe he got swindled by somebody. Or he made speculatory investments. You know the difference between an investment and speculation, right? An investment, there's risk, but you have a logical assumption there's a reward. Speculation is when you try and get rich quick and you throw good money into something that's never going to work. Now, I just bring that up. That's like a side comment for you. Because we live in the 21st century where everybody thinks they're investing. You're speculating. I always tell people, if you can't afford to lose that money, I wouldn't put it there. Anytime it's like, you know that a, an investment that's too good to be true is. Isn't it true? Some of you are like, amen, why didn't I learn that 15 years ago? Now, that's just a side business piece of advice for you all. I just put that, sprinkle that in there for you. But we don't know why the guy with the one chose not to engage. But what's amazing in this story is it actually doesn't matter why. Because either way, either way, the wealthy landowner expects 
them to take that money and broker it on his behalf. And I'm here to tell you, God expects the same thing from you. God has entrusted to each one of us skills, time, energy, talents. And God expects you to broker those gifts and talents on his behalf. Now, I'm sure there's all sorts of reasons why people are getting involved, not getting involved, this or that. But I'm here to tell you, whatever the reasons are, they actually don't really matter. Because God wants you to invest what he's given you. So listen, God wants you to be involved. He has entrusted to you skills and talents, and he wants you to leverage, invest those things into the work of his kingdom. He doesn't want you to be like this guy who takes the one and he buries it. He doesn't want that. And we're going to see that. Now, what's also, I think, important about this is listen to what Peter said in his first letter, 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11. It says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and the dominion forever and ever. And all of God's family said, Amen. Amen. Notice that. As each one of us has received a gift. Not if, as. As each one of us has received a gift, let that person ministered to who? To one another. You see how this works? As people who are good stewards of God's multifaceted grace. See, that's what we were created to do. And as you minister, you do it with the strength that God supplies by the power of the Spirit that you don't get the glory, but God gets the glory. That's what a stewardship is. A steward does what needs to be done on behalf of his Lord. And the Lord gets the benefit, but this person also gets benefit. Now, what's also important about this, and I want you to call your attention to it as we move past this part. Notice what it says in verse 19. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. See, in this parable, it's about Jesus. He is the gift giver. And he goes away for a long time. But then when he comes back, he wants to do an accounting. Now, I'm here to tell you, the final judgment, that's God bringing everybody to settle accounts about what you did as you stewarded your life. See, people get freaked out. You know, I I remember there's always that bumper sticker, looking forward to non-judgment day. Did you ever see that one? It's a riot. I always try and, I want to meet the people with these bumper stickers because I want to talk to them about their bumper. I'm like, hey, can we talk about your bumper sticker? (laughs) So if you you put those kind of bumper stickers on your car, if you just see me like lurking, I just want to chat with you, you know? Because like you put it on your car, I'm like, hey, can you explain that bumper sticker to me? Because then they say, oh, well, you know, listen, man, the judgment day, I think we should have non-judgment day. I'm like, well, you realize that really what judgment day is, it's the day that each one of us gives an account for our life. Before the God who has given us life. Jesus is real. In today's message, Pastor Daniel showed us that it matters to God what we do with what he's given us. The skills and life and time you have has been given to you by God. He will hold you responsible for how you broker those gifts. It's time for each of us to realize that we don't own anything in ourselves. 
All of it has been given and entrusted to us for the purpose of gathering the lost children of God home again. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio and Pastor Daniel will remind us that Judgment Day isn't a bad thing unless you're bad. On Judgment Day, God is going to ask each one of us what we did with what He gave us. You and I want to be found faithful in our stewardship. Our culture may not value faithfulness, but our God surely does. Come back next time to learn the value God places on your faithfulness. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Legends. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.